Hi, everybody. This is Uncle Johnny, high above Cliffside. You're listening to The Jim Derrick Show on Chapters Radio. No fiddling, no diddling. Just putting the ball in the hoop. My name's Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. On today's program, we're going to take a departure from the serious to have a free-ranging conversation with entertainer, stand-up comedian, and impressionist. Yes, that was his voice as Johnny Most, Michael Pettit. Welcome, Michael. Good morning, uh, Jim. Great uh, to be here today. It's New England. It's prime summertime. The socks are in it. The, the socks are hot. The, the socks are hot. And we are heading to uh, the Patriots training camp. And this is why we live in New England. We love New England. We, we love New England. What's not to like? Do you have a wonderful viewpoint into what's going on in our world? Get us to laugh at what we see, but forget to laugh at the first time we see it, which is what I love about your craft. Well, it's uh, from a from a stand-up comedy perspective, uh, finding the funny. Yeah. Um, you know, Nobody goes through life laughing all the time, but if you can't laugh, um, you're just going to get uh, completely uh, crushed. Right. If we can't laugh, we're all in trouble very, very fast. And here's a subject. You brought it up, and I think it's a wonderful subject. What about the sharks in the cave? (laughs) I mean... Well, this is news. This is this is news. This is reality. Uh, I remember we, as kids growing up, we would go to South Yarmouth. Yeah, and Yarmouth, uh, sure. We could we would go down to South Yarmouth. I yeah. think it was Hunter's Green was a was a was a motel we would stay in as a family. Yeah, and uh, then go to Captain Parker's and uh-huh. get some clam chowder and <laughs> seafood. Uh, but uh, it was 1976, 1976, and uh, there was a big thunderstorm, and yeah. we're all just kind of hanging out, nothing to do. And my sister, who could drive at the time, I'm nine years old. She says, "Hey, let's go see a movie about." a fish. Yeah. Yeah, fish. A big fish. A big fish. Yeah, the one on Jaws. We're talking about a 20-footer chief, yeah. you know, a shark's a eyes boat. like a dog. Yeah. But isn't it shocking that the sharks are in the water? Well, it's the, uh, we all know that it's the cold water and it's the overpopulation of the seals. Is that what it is, the cold water? It's the cold water. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's the cold water. <laughs> I would have said the warm water, but uh, you know what, Mike, we didn't have this problem when we were kids. We well, just didn't. I, I I don't know. I as a, as a uh, never being bitten by a shark. Uh, <laughs> they say that great white sharks actually don't like humans. They don't like us. They don't like the taste. They it's they think we're seals. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, surfers or swimmers. They, they see the motion and they attack that way. And I'm no I'm I'm no I'm no moral I'm no I'm no marine biologist as Costanza would say. Yeah, I'm a marine biologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, um, I always say great white sharks are like the Italians of the ocean. Yeah. They don't look left. They don't look right. Oh, it's just business, Jim. <laughs> Nothing it's poisonal. Just business. <laughs> Nothing poisonal. You take care of that thing. I took care of that thing. Yeah. You take care of that thing. I took care of that thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I love it. I love it. You know, Mike. I was down on uh, Mesquamacut Beach. I know a place that you're very familiar with, right? Mesquamacut Beach. Now, yes. this is this is completely unscripted. We yeah. did not talk. No. But I am actually am performing. I know the show probably won't come out. But this Sunday night, this which Sunday is night, July twenty second, July twenty second, I'm performing stand up at Mesquamacut Beach at a seafood joint called Sandy's. Sandy's, I was right there. Guess when I was this there? This is Mike? crazy. No. There's people need to know that we didn't talk about no. this. We're just it's no. early on a Monday morning. It's I've a had two slice cups of life, of, man. It's a slice of life. Yeah, no, I was on Mesquamacut Beach at Sandy's. By the way, it was insane. You may say, why were you at Sandy's, Jim? Because it was Fourth of July. There wasn't one ounce of sand. I was buried in people. On yes. the beach. 
I've never seen anything like it. Why do people do that? Why do they go and sit on the beach on a face cloth in an area that's not, it's not big enough for your rear end. And frankly, Mike, most of the rear ends on the beach (laughs) took up more than their fair share. So there's good naked and there's bad naked. There is. There is. I saw it all. But but what what is it about the human condition? We all get together like ants. These are like ants. They're coming. I don't know where they're coming from. There's miles of traffic. People are sitting there. Kids are throwing up on each other in the car. They're screaming at the old man. They're in line in traffic. They finally make it to the beach, and they're like, it's like their mouths drop, and their eyes go wide, and it's it's like this pilgrimage, and they come up over the dunes, and there's no sand to be had, but yet they still sit there. They set up these little tents, right? They get out these horrible the cheese doodles and the great big buckets, you know what I mean, and some Coca-Cola, <laughs> and they sit there, and they stare at the water, and then they go home. After they take most of their clothing off, then open up a, uh, a cooler filled with food. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What a concept. But I don't I don't understand. I love the beach, but not under those circumstances. So, so you were at Musquamica Beach on 4th of July. I was. So here's something. This is obviously a very popular Rhode Island uh, destination. They have a huge trash problem. It's a big to-do. I saw a lot of it. Don't forget to laugh. <laughs> um, they have a huge trash problem. Yeah. It's something uh, I have the, the Musquamica. Uh, I, I like their uh, Facebook page, so I get all their news feeds. Sure. And it's been a big deal where... I don't know who it was, but they finally figured it out. They're bringing, um, they were giving people trash bags. Yeah. And that means that you have to be responsible and actually pick up your trash, put it in a bag, and take it with you. But people weren't doing that. So they finally somehow rallied up some money and got trash barrels and but a big deal clean up clean up after yourself yeah really i mean it's but once again michael these are things that i see as as a non-comedian but i i just i laugh my head off i can't and i'm part of the problem you are a social magnet am i really you're a social magnet well thank you I who feel... says face cloth you have a face cloth for... <laughs> washcloth you have a washcloth for, for, for right. well that's it i mean the people is... oh, anyway i've gone on and on about that um michael what else uh, let's talk about the red sox you love the Boston Red Sox. Sure. And and I know that you have a long, long history as a native New Englander with the Red Sox. As most of us do. We grew up, uh, my grandfather, my dad. Um, you know, it's funny. I just saw a, uh, a friend of mine uh, was playing uh, playing uh, baseball with Butch Hobson. Butch Hobson. In Texas. Yeah. Butch Hobson still coaches. He obviously was third baseman number four for sure. the Sox. Sure. Uh, and if we're going to go through that 75 team, do we, do we want to go down that road? Why not? Uh, who played shortstop? Rick Bro. Rick Burleson, the rooster. Who is the second baseman? The second baseman. You got me, man. Denny Doyle. Denny Doyle. Denny Doyle. Who played first? Uh, Boomer. Uh, Boomer. George. George Scott. George Scott. Yeah, with the gold teeth. Who was in left field? Uh, Left field. We're going to go with Mike Greenwell. Mike Greenwell. No, before that, in 1975. We're going to go with, uh, what? The captain. Captain Carl Yastrzemski. Who was in center field? Was he in? No, it was either Captain Carl or Jim Rice. Yeah, I was going to say Big Jim end. Rice, uh, Freddie Lynn, Freddie and Lynn. to round that out was Dwight Evans in the right greatest, field. The greatest, best, the, the best right arm, uh, right right field arm, twenty four ever to play. Twenty four. Sure, sure. Who, by the way, looks like he could play today. Yeah, yeah, Dewey. Yeah, Dewey Evans, and then of course behind was Pudge. Yeah, Pudge. And on does. the mound was yeah. El Tiante. El Tiante. Who I've met before, and yeah. just a great, uh, great guy. What do you think about the Red Sox of today? What do I think about the Red Sox today? Um, you know, it's all about that clubhouse chemistry. We mm-hmm. all know in, in 04 when Noma was a cancer, was mm-hmm. a cancer, and mm-hmm. well, you know, it's just, uh, and Terry Francona was there, and he's like, you know, I just felt like I, I had to do what I, what I had to do, and, and I like a lot of what we're doing right now, but we're going to go play some ball, and, you know, we're going to win. I got to go. <laughs> 
Um, what do I think about the Red Sox? I think they're young, they're vibrant, they're dynamic, and they're they're. Are the Red Sox that good, or is the league just not that good? Uh, you know, I don't know. This feels it feels a lot like the Dirt Dog team. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah, um, feels like the idiots. Yeah, it does. That's it. It feels like the idiots. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I think Cora has a lot to do with that. The guy's like, he looks like he's, you know, 24 years old. Sure. Um, I think it helps. Sure. I think it helps. I think John Farrell got too fatherly. Yep. You know, and I think that helps. Um, I think the fact that they have J.D. Martinez and they, you know, Mookie Betts is, is hitting the ball like... Uh, Crazy. Uh, yeah, it's just insane. Uh, Jackie Bradley show, is showing why we saved him. And didn't throw them out with the sure. bathwater. So and the I, Bogarts. I think they're the real deal. Sure, you know, and and, and obviously the big uh, the big uh, eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. You know, David Price. Uh, David Price can't seem to win that big game, and we will find out in 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 late fall, in, in late September, early fall. They wrap up the season yeah. against. Yeah. The Yankees. There's David Price right now. Yeah, there's David Price. Yeah, actually, it's in. Joe Castiglione. That's Joe Castiglione. Can you believe it? He just um, called in. I can't believe this. Actually, that was my beautiful girlfriend saying she <laughs> loves me. And That's Michael's nice. girlfriend's name is the lovely and talented. The lovely and talented yeah. Miss Dina. Yeah. Um, and is she a Red Sox fan? She is a uh, she's a human fan. That's what yeah. she is. She actually is a special needs teacher. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a Dina fan. Yeah, she's a big fan yeah. of, uh, of human people. And uh, we were old uh, high school friends. Uh, just friends in high school, uh, class of 84 in Attleboro. There's yeah. another message. Yeah. And um, uh, basically our lives, our, our, our chapters, yeah. our paths cross 30 years later. Yeah. And she is just an amazing woman in my life that makes me a better person. So I got to tell you what, that's a great story. It is. To lose touch for 30 years, sure. basically. To come back and yeah. say, wait a minute, I remember you. Yeah. You yeah, know? well, it's the it's the it's the world of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was coaching Pop One of football. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, oh god, you think about it, the the, the grass and it was under the lights. And yeah, it was a yeah. Thursday night. It was kind of a crisp late fall. Yeah. you know, night, and I had my hood on with yeah. my whistle. Yeah, and uh, I, I tend to look a little bit, a lot like Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. And somebody posted a picture <laughs> of me with the whistle and the cutoff shorts. Yeah. And um, she said, OMG, Michael Pettit, look at you. Or a really bad looking Bill Belichick. You know, <laughs> right. And um, we, we got together and uh, we just kind of went out for a quick little pizza. Yeah, that was yeah. our fun thing we yeah. always talk about. We went out and we started sharing a slice of a life. A slice of life. I knew we were headed there. And, Great. And um, basically I said, you know, I, uh, you know, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of work to do. I, uh, you know. So oh, Bill it's, uh, so yeah, so uh, it it really is is exciting and it fills me up with great uh, emotion mm-hmm. when you have someone who uh, champions your cause, yeah. who makes you a better person. Yeah. And really, very fortunate and blessed at this point in my in our lives at fifty fifty two years old yeah. to to meet someone. Um, she's raised her kids. Uh, she has a, a, a special needs child herself. Sure. Um, and it's just uh, it's pretty amazing. I love stories like this, folks. If you're just tuning in and wondering what the heck is going on here. This is Jim Derrick with Chapters Radio, the name of our program. Uh, Today's program, today's segment is called A Slice of Life with comedian and entertainer Michael Pettit. You can find us on our podcast at www.chaptersradio.com. So I wanted to uh, uh, talk a little bit, Michael, about the work that we have just contracted to do with the Safe Coalition, another passion of mine and now yours. I have been involved with the SAFE Coalition, which stands for Support for Addicts and Families Through Empowerment. We have been a nonprofit based out of Franklin here, but representing eight communities. We have been doing work in the area of prevention, 
reducing the barriers to treatment and destigmatization for people that are impacted by our nation's number one health epidemic. And I met Michael uh, quite fortuitously. He simply called because he happened to hear the program. We had a conversation and little did I know it was going to turn into a relationship that would include the Safe Coalition contracting Michael to help us in a wide variety of ways for the coming year. Mike, we're really excited about this. I'm excited because the opportunity to uh, to impact and change people's lives is uh, when you have this platform and you have an opportunity, uh, many people don't know, I certainly can share, uh, my life has uh, been fortunate in 1990. I was just a young kid working in Boston radio, yep. um, uh, knew I was funny, had a gift, uh, didn't have really a sense of, let's just say, direction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hanging out with uh, some guys that we were partying and uh, harmless, not hurting anybody except ourselves. Mm-hmm. I decided to uh, make a change. Yeah. Um, in 1990, I decided to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, since... 1990 Thanksgiving dinner. Yep. I have not had alcohol or any other drug in my system. Yeah. And um, I work in a crazy business. There's businesses that are crazy. The entertainment business is known. Yeah. If you were going to get sober, would this necessarily be the business you would pick? It's not. It's not. It's not the the ideal business. But also, right. I moved from here and landed a radio job in Florida. Right. If you want to try to get sober, yeah. Florida is not the place to go <laughs> get sober. <laughs> You were, you were really challenging yourself. And, and, and now it comes full circle. You can find your drug of choice anywhere. You, can, you have access. Unfortunately, it's on every corner. And the message needs to be spread and shared to the safe coalition that you have choices to make. Right. And it comes back to the, the basic textbook from Alcoholics Anonymous, one day at a time, right. one step at a time, right. one moment at a time. You are. This is your world, Jim. You are responsible for your world. This right. is my world. I'm responsible for my world. Right. And when people are being impacted and influenced without any sense of purpose or direction, right. there's, there's an opportunity to spread a message. I stand in front of people as a living, breathing um, example. I decided to make a change for myself. Yeah. And it's not easy for people to do that. Of course not. How I do it, I made it I made a deal with God. Right. And I'm not a very religious person, but I made a deal with God. If I drink and drug, he will take away my gift as an entertainer impressionist. Right. And that scared me because that's right. my sole purpose. Right. And you've been sober since 1990. And if you want to look up Michael Pettit, uh, go to Pettit Productions. Pettit Productions. P-E-T-I-T Productions.com. Pettit There's Productions. a bunch of... I'm an impressionist. I'm an entertainer. You'll see videos of me in Las Vegas on cruise ships and comedy clubs. I used to tour with Joan River. It's just... It's, right. a, it's a 30-year it's, career. You've been very blessed. You have a lot very of talent. Fortunate. You've been very blessed. You've worked from cruise ships to Vegas to television to radio. You've done a lot. You've been coast to coast. You're now back home. And this is what I love about your story, Michael. And and I frankly, I really like about you. You see the value and the connection of storytelling and its value in connecting with people and deflating the balloon, if you will. In sure. this case, it's talking about addiction. It's difficult to talk about, a difficult subject. But the value is in sharing your story openly like you do and then showing your talent on stage, which is what you'll be doing for us in front of people, all sorts of people that, that need to hear the message. Uh, really, two things happen. First of all, they're entertained. And when they laugh, I really think people disarm themselves. Sure, They, they make themselves vulnerable and they make themselves open to hear a message. Secondly, you say, hey, I'm sober. I I did it. You can do it, too. That's right. That's right. And I think there's a third thing that happens, and that's that 
a lot of people see, like myself, I'll just speak for myself, they see comedians and they say, man, I wish I could do that. You know, I'm shy or I, I don't think I have what it takes. Or, and, and it seems like just this, most of the time comedians are separated not only by the stage and the, and the chairs, but it, it's just something that doesn't seem accessible. And what you've said to me and to others is, hey, you know what, find your talent. Maybe it is comedy. Give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's public speaking. Maybe it's acting. Maybe it's singing. But you've got something in you. Express well, it. Public speaking uh, is a nightmare for most people. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's almost like engineering for me. Mm-hmm. That's not what I. My brother's an accountant. I'm not good with numbers. Mm-hmm. I just have learned how to command an audience, mm-hmm. and it, it's been 30 years of they call them uh, hell gigs. Yeah, there's the grind. Yeah. Everything from from uh, you know uh, a bar in Texas with an unruly crowd on a Tuesday night to yeah. a cruise ship where there's a captive audience of 500. Mm-hmm. You just learn a skill set, how to command an audience, how to uh, handle their attention. But public speaking, it, it instills confidence. Right. How to stand in front of somebody, mm-hmm. how to address an audience, how to have your message be heard, um, your bullet points, your knowledge, where you're going with your message. Public speaking is very, very, very powerful. You mm-hmm. look at people like a Tony Robbins right. or somebody like that, they have a message that they believe in, that, that their message is empowerment, what you can do to change your life, steps. And the first step is admitting and surrendering and saying, okay, I want to learn this. I want to learn how to stand on stage and hold a microphone. Mm-hmm. I want to learn how to stand at a podium in front of 300 of my colleagues. So public speaking is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Even yourself. Sure. I mean, you're, you, this is something that you do. You sound like a natural. When did we meet? Two months ago, Jim? We met two months ago. We yeah. met two months ago yeah. in a short time. Right now we have zero notes in front of us. There's no. no notes. There's no bullet points. There's no sticky notes. There's no nothing. We're just two guys talking about real life and real causes, yeah. which is the Safe Coalition. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Mike, uh, thank you for that. Um, I know that the industry, your industry right now, and this is the result. I think this is the end result of people ha- engaging in conversation about tough subjects. Let's talk about addiction for a minute. In your industry. Sure. Let's see. Who can I mention? Lenny Clark, Jimmy sure. Tingle. Sure. Uh, these are local comedians sure. that people would know. And there's brilliant, national, brilliant, national brilliant, comedians. Brilliant Italian talents. Clean and sober. Sure. And doing better than ever. Because but they, they talk about it. They've been through the crap. Right. And you know why people relate? It's so simple. What we've talked about, Jim. It's life. Right. This is the reality. This is the harsh reality. This is life. We all just want to feel okay. Mm-hmm. We all have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. We all have life. We all have plans. Then life happens. Right. People can connect when they see someone on stage bearing their soul completely naked, showing and sharing their story. It's relatable. Yeah. It's relatable. People can identify with it, Jim. That's that's the real magic. If someone is on stage and just completely sharing their story, shredding, peeling, peeling the layers of the onion off on stage. Who who are you to who is that person to sit in the you think you have a perfect no you don't you have more issues than than and, and you know what Michael that's exactly you said something and, and it tripped my mind everybody wants to be okay sure we all want to feel okay I love the fact that you even say that I mean yeah. because at the end of the day isn't that the truth of course I just want to be okay yeah, yeah. you know and how am I doing am I okay right and so we look to others sure oftentimes sure to as a reflection yeah. as to how we're doing right. you know hopefully I don't seed all of my sense of self-worth with somebody else's reaction because yeah. that's often how problems begin but at the end of the day that's what we really do and in your profession that's 
what you're doing on a nightly basis, right? Uh, talk, talk, talk to me about, Michael, if you, if you don't mind, talk to me about what happens on those rare nights for you, I'm sure, when you haven't had a great show. Uh, it happens. That's the business. Yeah. Um, you, can't con- you can control what you can control. Right. Um, performing is, is you're, you don't live and die by one show, mm-hmm. uh, one performance. Um, a baseball analogy. Had a bad outing. Get them next time. Yeah. Um, Is it really that easy, though? Because um, I hear people all the time saying, especially when we go to comedy shows, they say, ah, I could never do that. I mean, what if I bombed? I could never face the audience again. Short memory. Short memory. Short memory. So when you were out there as a, uh, you weren't a headliner, you weren't even a middle. Nope. You were just starting out with five minutes of material. Driving across the country, uh, going to work for next to nothing. Yep. Um, You've got guys that are headliners that I'm sure you knew their material. You've probably seen them before. Sure. Dreamed about being them. Sure. And you're down in first place now, and you've got five minutes after driving a couple hours to get to the show, and it doesn't go so well. Is it really that easy just to say, get them next time? Of course it's not. It's a, I, don't, I don't think, I try not to think about where I've, where I've come. I don't, you have to have short memory. Yeah. You have to. I can, I can sit here right now with you doing our radio, and A, I used to work in radio. I've done numerous radio interviews promoting comedy shows around the country. Mm-hmm. Um I've tested for Saturday Night Live. I've had a contract mm-hmm. from L.A. to New York, tested twice, met Lauren Michaels, signed, flew back to L.A. They canceled. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. I was seen so soon. I was, I used to do warm-up for uh, Family Feud. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be the warm-up audience guy for fam- on the set. For Family Feud. For Family Feud. When, Lou- go- when Louis Anderson... Hey, how's it going, Mike? Nice to see you. When Louis Anderson used to host it, so Drew, for Drew people Carey. that aren't aware, now I've been to a game show. Sure. I was at Hollywood Square, sure, right, with Charles sure. Nelson Riley sure. when I was a little kid. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Poo. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. That's HR pumping stuff. Yeah, sure, it, wasn't, a it wasn't comfortable. But tell folks that don't know what what is a warm up guy do? Uh, a warm up guy's uh, primary role is to when they come out of commercial break, yeah. or you, what you think is a commercial break, yeah. they're setting the cameras up, yeah. and the director or exec producer or associate producer will say, five, four, three, your job is to get in the crowd's face and get them to clap. So if you watch any of these shows that are on TV, they come in and out of breaks. Yeah. The crowd is clapping and laughing and yeah. having fun. Your job is to run around like a monkey yeah. and, um, and and make them laugh get and have fun. Get them fired up. You get them fired up. You yeah. throw candy at them. You do trivia questions. But it was... You're taping seven, eight, nine, ten shows a day, 12, 14 hours, yeah. and you do a run. Yeah. People don't realize when you go into production, you get the production, you do 50, 60 shows in two weeks. Yeah. So you're there, all the Burbank Studios. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just a different life yeah. um, and chapters that I have in my wheelhouse, in my memory. That's my life that I've lived. That's for sure. And now I, I live back here. Uh, I love New England. The winter, eh, eh, not so much. Uh, I did say, though, Saturday I was working in the yard. I looked up and I said, I forgive you, New England. I forgive you, January <laughs> yeah, yeah. 17th, when it was a th- you know massive yeah, blizzard yeah. and I slipped on the ice. Yeah. I forgive you yeah, I because right now the socks and the pats and yeah. the, the, the crowded beaches at Pasquamaget yeah. and the sharks don't the Cape Chief. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it's all about New England. Hey, Michael, what is it with February, March, uh, actually before that, January, in New England? Yeah. I have a box. 
that I live in. Okay. When I was young, I dream- I had a smaller box. Yeah. It was attached to a bunch of other boxes. They call it apartments. Okay. Yeah. Right. Then I, my dream was my dream was to self actualize. I had to have a bigger box. Sure. So I got a bigger box with a littler box attached that I could put two of my vehicles in. Sure. Right. So what happens in the winter in New England is we all go into our boxes. We we have automated garage doors sure. and we shut them tight sure. and then we sit in there and we shiver and we talk to each other no. we're afraid to go out there yeah. right yeah um nobody talks and no. then in the spring we emerge it's yeah, kind of sure. like the zombies we yeah. come walking out we're yeah. like hey is that what <laughs> <laughs> have you seen marcia lately wow she didn't age well the last four months do you know what i mean <laughs> well it's because we've had our pajamas on since five o'clock at night right we've been eating nachos yeah and and, and comfort food yeah exactly comfort- yeah you're listening to a slice of life a new segment here on chapters i'm with my good friend michael pettit uh professional comedian stand-up comedian uh really good friend uh to many you can find him on facebook at his last name is spelled p-e-t-i-t uh michael and you can also find pettit productions uh online uh that's p-e-t-i-t productions Dot com. Hey, thank you very much. How about much. that? Um, in the few minutes we have remaining, I want to remind people that we have high... I want you to look for Michael Pettit performing in the area. First of all, you do perform at the alumni? Sure. Quite often? Yeah. I love the alumni. Why yeah, not? They're, they're just great. Let's give them a shout out. Oh, I love the alumni. Uh, great owners and... It's it's just um, it's your local uh, eatery and, mm. and pub. Mm-hmm. It's just a great place to go. It's like a Cheers. Yeah, it's like yeah. a Cheers. But if you see Michael's performing, um, go see him. Shake his hand afterwards. Tell him you heard him here. I get uh, how much do I get again? Ten bucks for every mention. Checks in the mail. Yeah, plug plug plug. How <laughs> about a piece of pizza? Yeah, it's well worth it. He's a funny funny guy. Funny guy. How's that funny? Yeah, really funny. Uh, uh, I do impressions. It's all clean. It's all fun. It's life. Uh, it could be anywhere from uh, from Casey Kasem to. Yeah. Uh, uh, to, 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 it could be a little Jack Nicholson. You never know who's going to show up there, old Jimmy Derrick. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about Chapters Radio with the J-Man. That's Jim Derrick. And I need I need more Jack in my life. I gotta you tell need you, more Jack. You not Jack Daniels Jack. either. I got, I'm telling you, I need you to make some phone calls to some people I don't like. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you really uh, struck it big, Mike, when you found your Johnny Most. Well, Johnny Most was the uh, the Celtics icon. It was just one of those, okay, burn up the notion back over to DJ fiddle diddle diddle doodle fan. That was a vicious, vicious haul by Lambeer. <laughs> and the game hadn't started yet. Yeah. So, yes, I love all of our sports. Yeah. And um, Did you ever have, I know you had the opportunity to do that voice in front of Johnny, yes. in front of uh, Heinsohn, yes. and in front of uh, who else, Cousy? Uh, no, I never met the Cousy there, uh, Bob Cousy. Boy, he had problems. I don't, how do you ever get into announcing. Oh, I was like, Bob Cousy. Um, no, I, uh, it was something, uh, uh, just hacking around with some buddies, listening to the radio like we all did, listening to Johnny Most, turn the TV off, uh, turn it down and put Johnny on. And it was just that, it was like, who is this guy? He is so one-sided. And it was just that whole, uh, McHale and Paris and Seasting and Danny Ainge and DJ and Bird. And it was, oh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The crazy thing is, (laughs) Years ago, I had a good friend of mine, um, in, in, uh, he was a huge Colts fan. He hired me to go to Indiana State University, yeah. Terre Haute, mm-hmm. Indiana, mm-hmm. and I got to go. Farmland, John Cougar, nothing but you know tumbleweeds. Yeah. But I'll never forget. Two years in a row, I went to go perform for the uh, for the Indiana for the for the uh, for the college, and I took a right turn to get there twice on Larry Bird Boulevard. Come on, it's awesome. That is cool. Terre Haute, Indiana. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it's just it's just where Larry was from. Yeah. And the story with Larry was, you know, the whole backstory on Larry Bird. I do. I mean, basically, he was he was a trash 
trash man. Yeah, yeah. He didn't uh, didn't 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 go to college, and um, he was great in high school. He had a, he would go to school every morning before school. He would shoot hoops, yeah. and then one year or two years, he was a trash man mm-hmm. throwing trash into a. That's what he did for one or two years, and then he went to Indiana. Yeah. So that's it. I got to make a change. Yeah, yeah. And he did. And Bird. Unbelievable. Bird is the word. Bird is the word. So, Michael, uh, when you were when you were developing your impressions, I have I have this question because it's always it's always fascinating me. I was a I used to watch Joe Piscopo all the time. Sure. I just I would look at his face and who loves you, out, baby? Oh, how how could he do that? Now I'm in front of a guy doing this, and I'm yeah. looking at your face. Trying, how does he do that? You told me before I have residence in my throat. Yeah, I'm still not comfortable with that, yeah. but it's that's part and split of the characters in your brain. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But how did you develop? your impressions how did you decide who you'd be good at uh, you know it really was one of those things i think it was really um just to make people laugh yeah. that was probably the niche as a kid your class clown a class clown yeah. to fit in um but I, I realized i think when i realized at probably 1977 78 when i saw the movie rocky mm-hmm. when i had a crush on a girl and i could go you know it's that very nice you know i'd like to meet you later on you know, <laughs> that's what i'm talking about you know you know <laughs> We're here in the South Pole, Rocky Balboa. <laughs> You're gonna eat lightning and crap thunder. Ain't got no lack of those doing, Mick. Yo, butt give. Yo, butt give. <laughs> and 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 the crazy thing is, not to jump jump stories. Then when I lived in Los Angeles, I went to Sly Stallone's productions studio on Burbank lot. He had a production uh, company called White Eagle Productions. And I had a friend of mine who worked there as a, as, a, as a coffee getter. And I got to go on the lot and I'm thinking, I'm going to Sly Stallone's production company, his, his office. I'm going to go meet him. I walked in and it was just all of his, you know, his shorts and his, sure. they were all there, all yeah. the stuff. And, and pressed, you know, in glass and yeah. added in and all that stuff. I never got to meet him, but if I ever did, I'd like to say thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. We're going to eat lightning and crap thunder with Jim Derek. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always it's always fascinated me. And, you know, Michael's humble enough and self-aware enough to say it all stemmed from trying to get the girl yeah, and well, trying to figure out how he could do it. Look, sense of humor. Uh, humor is powerful. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a great, uh, great tool to have for public speaking, social skills. Um, just a great way, Jim, to communicate with people. It is. Humor is powerful and people have lost... <sighs> The ability to laugh a little bit and to laugh at themselves, just to laugh a right? little bit. Right? I'm never gonna. I wanted to be six four, dunk basketballs, date a supermodel. I got the supermodel. Yeah, but I wanted to. I want, yeah, the lovely I, and talented. I'm, I'm five foot seven. Yeah, are you that tall? Uh, yeah, I, mean, ex- I had you at five four. But exactly, that's like- <laughs> exactly. Life is short, so am I. Yeah. Um, but you have to accept who you are and what your offerings are, and make and the most of life is like I said. Life is life is life. Make the most out of it. Make the most out of it. Have fun while you're here. Do it. And that's really, and I can't thank you enough for being here, Michael. My pleasure, bro. That's what we were trying to do today. We just wanted to ramble a little bit. I have come to enjoy Mike. He's a good friend now. Uh, and I know you will, too, when you see him out on the road. Uh, look for Michael Pettit, P-E-T-I-T, performing in a venue near us. Uh, look for him as part of the Safe Coalition effort as we move forward. He's going to be helping us raise money and raise a lot of laughs. So for Michael Pettit, My name's Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Chapters Radio, and we'll see you next week.